Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Jonathan Miklos, and I think Cuervo's going to join us as well on the panel. We're going to talk about the NFL draft that's going on, and I'm still scratching my head on some of this stuff, and I know while Jonathan's on mute, I'm going to say a kicker, really, Tampa? I mean, but hey, they went out and got the best kicker that I've seen in a very long time, and I think Auburn's kid is about to come out, too. You'll see him, Jonathan, being drafted very high. Kicker is very important. The Tigers getting some people drafted finally in the third round, four, fifth, and sixth, I believe. Jonathan, welcome to the show, and what have you thought of the draft so far? Uh, definitely been interesting. There's some linebackers this year that have uh, taken a fall that I did not expect. Um, some intrigue with uh, some of these quarterbacks and where they're being selected. I, I just – it's really something I'll see in these kids. You know, you've grown to, to know at least through a TV screen for the past three, four years, and now they're going to be uh, NFL players. It's it's really amazing. In the day, I'm like, why did we not talk about Javon Boykin from TCU? He's still out there right now. What what are people afraid of, Jonathan? Size of, the size of him, injury, what? Because he could be that type of quarterback that could, if he does what he's supposed to do, he could take over a game. He could be a, one of those playmaker-type quarterbacks. I'm just wondering why he's not been drafted yet. Well, the problem with Boykin is that he is undersized, um, at least according to most NFL guys. Um, you've also, you do have the injury questions because last year he was dinged up uh, with the ankle and the knee and everything else. So, you see, they at this point in the draft, unless you really are, you know, supremely talented, NFL teams are just looking for a prototype based off the size of most of these positions. So I don't expect Boykin to be drafted. Um, he might sign as an un, undrafted free agent, but uh, even then, I expect uh, a, the team that picks him up to try and move him back to wide receiver. I don't know. I mean, the the level of quarterback that I've seen, the the talent of quarterback that I've seen in the NFL so far, hell, he made it to the eight. And uh, I noticed the Patriots got Malcolm Mitchell out of Georgia, a receiver. Not a bad pickup right there in the fourth round for Tom Brady. I'm sure he's he's excited about that. But what's the Cleveland Browns doing drafting five receivers so far? What are they trying to do? You got five receivers, but you really don't have anybody throwing the ball, or maybe that's what they're. What, did they get RG3 and they're, they're trying to load him up with some receivers or something to, to see if they can explode? I'm just not buying I, it. Yeah, I mean, with uh, 
What if the Browns, we've been telling them for a couple of years now, hey, you have no receivers, take some receivers, draft some receivers. So this year they, they finally do. They do go a little overboard, <laughs> but they did make some really good value picks. Um, hey, I, mean, I like their draft with, so far, Jonathan. I like yes. it. Uh, so do I. I think the Browns have had, have had a really good draft. I don't think they've really reached for anybody. Uh, you know these eggheads that were getting picked on at the NFL Combine for not, for you know not being football guys. I think they've done a pretty good job and they've held their own. So you know for the Browns, it's really just they've overhauled their entire receiving corps. Uh, we'll find out uh, which of those guys really make it, and maybe one of them they drafted strictly just to be a returner, and you know who knows. But I, I have no problem what the Browns are doing. It does seem a little wacky on the surface, but then you you realize they're probably you know, if everything falls right, they're not going to have to draft another receiver for at least four years. How the world did Jeff Driscoll get drafted? I mean, really, Jeff Driscoll. Good Same job. reason that Jake Rudock got drafted. Yeah, just the size and trying to hope he. I don't know. I don't know. Chip Kelly is is the quarterback whisperer, right? Uh, something like that. That's a joke. That's a joke. But anyway, I mean, I mean, I'm seeing some some head scratchers and everything. But one thing I'll tell you, I wasn't on the other night with Henry. When Henry went to the Tennessee Titans, what round was it? The fourth? Second. Second round, I'm sorry, I'm thinking, but I mean, do you think that was a little high for him or a little low for him? A lot of I heard Colin Coward, I know you saw that video I shared about how many carries he averaged forty five carries per game last year. And I think people are just so afraid that they've seen it over and over with Alabama's running backs that Nick Saban has abused them and they he and that's really I think the NCAA may need to step in here a little bit and say, all right, guys, I mean, it is abusive in a way when you give a guy the ball 45 times. And what what uh, Coward said, it's not the Big 12 where they're, like, hitting each other with pillows. It's a pillow fight. It's a fist mm-hmm. fight. And every play that he gets, he's taking a hit. So what do you think about the 45 carries a game? I mean, is that Nick Saban saying that he cares nothing about that kid in his future? All he cares about what he does is Alabama. Well, I think the pick for Tennessee to draft Henry was stupid. You just traded for DeMarco Murray. You still have Bishop Sankey. Uh, you could have drafted another running back later on this draft, somebody like an Alex Collins or Jonathan Williams or even a Kenyon Drake. You didn't need to go get a, another uh, running back. So I, I thought that that was a bad pick. Uh, that high in the second round for Henry, do I feel that was too high for him? No. That's hard because he he obviously proved last year that he is supremely talented. Uh, you know, he might not be the best pass catcher, uh, but, you know, you can hand him the ball 30 times. And, yeah, the question is, when does he break down? Maybe he never breaks down. I mean, Adrian Peterson was uh, handed the ball plenty of times at Oklahoma. And, you know, we're, we've never really worried about him completely uh, – breaking down the NFL level. So, I mean, it's something to keep an eye on. But as far as Henry goes, hats off to him for even getting drafted is all I got to say. Big ups to him. He he definitely earned it. Uh, But I wouldn't have taken him that high just from the standpoint, uh, if I'm Tennessee, just from the standpoint of they didn't really need one. 
And I think it's the Alabama running back is what they really looked at. And um, did the other did Kenyon Drake get drafted yet? Uh, yeah, I want to say he was taken in the third round. I know he was the third running back drafted. So the second and third running backs drafted this year came from Alabama, which I said a lot. I mean, you hear about how the top three and four running backs of each recruiting cycle seem to be going to Alabama. Well, when you can get two running backs drafted a year, you know, why not send, why not, why wouldn't the multiple of these guys go? I mean, think about it. You've seen Richardson, Lacey, Yeldon, Drake, um, and, um, and Henry, you know, I mean, they, they produce running backs where their running backs get drafted. And the award goes to Cuervo. The the award for the the best interview goes to what's his name? I'm I'm sorry, just let my mind offensive lineman for Ole Miss, Laramie Tunsil. Tunsil. Uh, the award for for saying that hey, coaches paid me at Ole Miss. That that just took the whole draft. I'm done after that. I laughed so hard. Mm, that was. That was something else. I mean, I, I'm just sitting there and I'm trying. I'm reading through everything. You see the the Twitter post with the the bong and then the, the gas mask, and you see the Instagram post where apparently he's texting the assistant athletic director and, the, and one of the assistant coaches for money. Um, and then he does the interview, and, you're, and all, all you're thinking in all reality, yeah, at like least you know. Oh God, yeah. I mean, as as you being an Auburn fan and me, you know, just being a fan of football, college football in general, we're sitting here looking at it, going, "Oh, this is bad." Like Ole Miss, they might, they'll be lucky to have a program next year. This is this is looking ugly. You know, I mean, goodness gracious, what what are you doing? Yeah, at some point you're sitting there going, you're you wonder how Ole Miss didn't send the hitman after him to shut him up. I mean, they pulled him off the stage, but in the same day, Nick Saban fires. Uh, the number one recruiter, the 2016 recruiter of the year, and something big is about to happen there, guys. Cuervo, welcome to the show, buddy. Alabama Ole Miss death penalty. What do you think? <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I say, I say, if you're an SEC West guy like you, Tarvin, uh, you're all about it. You're all about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just, just kill okay. off the kill off the competition. Hey, we'll just win it. Process of elimination here. Exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, you're guaranteed to win if, if that's how you do it. So, so there you go. I want, I want that Iron Bowl back last year. I know Alabama cheated some way. Give us that game back. Give us the old Miss <laughs> game where where Ted where where he, where came back from a suspension. He came back perfect time against Auburn that day. He would have beaten them had he not played. So give us that win back. I'm just wanting. I'm wanting games back, guys. I'm wanting blood here, but. But you know what? I mean, what do you think about the Browns' square vote drafting five receivers so far? I look at their draft, and I kind of like it, honestly. Corey Coleman, I think he's a real good fit for their team. It looks like saying, hey, RG3, um, we're going to put some weapons around you right now. they got Sean Coleman, the offensive lineman from Auburn. They've got some defensive help. Cleveland has <laughs> – I mean, Cleveland has not Cleveland themselves this year, you know? I mean, this is not the, the normal Cleveland draft that you see. Right. They're they're actually addressing needs instead of going out and drafting, you know, the safeties that are overrated and or whatever else. They're, they're actually addressing needs. <laughs> I mean, I, I, think, I think they could probably have 
balance their, their draft a little bit more. I think we can all agree on that. However, I think it's pretty obvious, too, at the same time that, you know, the receiver position was the biggest need for them. And, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's that dumb to draft five guys. I mean, no, you, no, but you, no, you draft three of them guys. are going to work out and two of them aren't, you know? I mean, right. And, and so you got you got to think of it that way. You got to think of the uh, the uh, percentages, you know, guys that are going to make it and guys that are going to just get dumped. So if three out of five work out, there you go. You got yourself a nice three wide receiver combo for RG3 or um, Josh McCown or Cody, Cody Tesler, who they drafted, whichever one's going uh, to be the quarterback. Yeah, RG3, well, if you're a fantasy yeah, owner out there this year, I think I think it's time to look for RG3 on your fantasy team. Um, and well, I know the Bears, the Bears fan in you right now is trembling with the, the Vikings pick of Laquan Treadwell to go along with all the receivers, Adrian Peterson. I mean, that's a, that's a big hit right there by Minnesota. That was, yeah. a, that was and, a home run. And, and yeah, unfortunately, it was a home run. And, you know, that that's the team that I said at the beginning of this thing, too, that I was most nervous about. I mean, you know, Green Bay is going to be Green Bay, and, then, you know, they're going to draft defensive guys and, you know, big, ugly guys that, that are going to try and stuff the run and whatnot. But Minnesota is the team that I was nervous about just because of what they had already started to build with Bridgewater and, and the defense that they have. And Mike Zimmer's a damn good coach. I mean, I don't think there's any denying that. So Minnesota's, the, you know, as much as – we all know what Green Bay's capable of. Minnesota's the team, the team to beat in that division now. I mean, I, I really think they've they've taken over. Unless you know, barring a major injury or something like that, the, the Vikings are the team in the division. Well, I mean, the Vikings have improved a lot, and congratulations to Jonathan Tampa Bay taking Vernon Hargraves the third in the first round. I know he was he was <laughs> excited about that, but. But I can't – I don't understand, and we don't want to recap the first round much, but I don't – I really, really don't understand why Indianapolis went after Ryan Kelly so high. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but uh, this is a true thing. He played four years at Alabama. But do you think he's, he's good? Well, I think he's good, and they had a weakness in the middle of our offensive line, and he addresses that, you know. I mean, well, let's talk about Peyton Manning had just Saturday for the majority of his career, if not all of his career in Indianapolis. And, you know, a center is very important to uh, to a quarterback's success because he, he calls up the protections to save the quarterbacks behind. So I think addressing that need and addressing the offensive line is, is huge for Indianapolis. I thought that was a huge get for them because they made a smart draft decision that uh, I, I don't I don't think will come back and, you know, bite them like some of their previous first-round picks have. So y'all did the first round the other night, right? The first round up. Yeah, we we, we covered all the way to the end. Yeah, congratulations, guys! Y'all are true, true warriors. And in the second round, Cleveland started it off um, with the big defensive tackle, I believe, and and Manuel Obadiah, whoever. They always get somebody named Obadiah or somebody like that every draft they do. But I was happy to see. I was happy to see who was that guy for the Jacksonville Jaguars, the one, the linebacker you were talking about. Miles Jack. There you go. 
I was glad to see him taken stiff, I think, by Jacksonville. It was really good to see that. But Chris Jones going to Kansas City Square Bowl, it's a sixth pick in the second round. I think they reached a little bit for that one. What do you think? The guy plays one play and he takes about six off. So, I mean, is that really who you want right there when you could have had? Now, let me tell you who you could have gotten. Noah Spence. You could have gotten Reggie Ragland. You could have gotten – there's several Bama players right there. Sean Robinson. Why this guy over those guys? That's what I want to know. Well, I think what Kansas City liked about him was his was his uh, size. I mean, I mean they, uh, they wanted a guy that they can bring in to – because I think they're losing um, – well, they got post still, right? But aren't they losing somebody? I can't remember if they did or they're going to. But I know that – um, They have a lot of options better. Yeah, I, I, and, and you're right. I mean, you know, that's – there's a lot of different options. and But, yeah, with this guy, I think it was the, the, the size factor. And um, here we go, Christian Hackenberg of the Jets and – wasn't it Fitzpatrick that was looking for me, right? I mean, he's sitting there saying, pay me or, or I'm leaving. What do you think, uh, Jonathan, about Hackenberg right here? Could he come in and put some pressure and win the starting quarterback job? I thought that was a smart pick by the Jets. Obviously, uh, they've told, you know, unless Geno Smith really lights the world on fire this year, I think he's uh, his career is done uh, with, with uh, the New York Jets. So I think that's a very good pick for them. They can let him sit for a year and grow. Um you know, I think I think in all reality that that spells the end of Fitzpatrick's time in the Jets. Um there's no way they carry four quarterbacks. Uh you know, they'll they'll carry three. They'll have Bryce Teddy back up Geno this year most likely, with Hackenberg sitting third string learning everything. Uh just uh, I think it's a smart pick for for management again, the Jets um with their with the new GM and with Todd Bowles. I think they've done a, a really good job these past couple of drafts. Uh, continuing to uh, build this team up. And Cuervo, Robert Aguayo from Florida State, the kicker, uh, Tampa comes in, picks him up. I mean, is this because they're – I mean, he's the best kicker in the land, no doubt about it. He's, he's amazing. Is this because he's a Florida kid and also they expect to be in a lot of close games in this division this year with the improvements they made? And how many games over under four do you think he's going to impact? with his leg this year? I, I would go with the under. I would say maybe two. Because um, I, I just think I think Tampa's going to be – I think they could be better, at least offensively. I mean, Jameis will be in the second year, and they want to make sure – I don't know, maybe – him and Jameis must be that close to where they're going to move into the second round and draft a, you know, a, a kicker. So – I don't know. Jonathan would know better than I do. He's the, he's the Bucks fan. He's the the Florida State fan. I don't want to listen, but... Jonathan. I don't. I don't want to blow smoke up my butt about a Florida State player. That's why I ask you. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. All right. So you see, if you want the truth, the Bucks they, they were not very smart on doing that. There, I said it. Oh. All right, Jonathan, your turn. <laughs> uh, well, the Bucks Come on, had. We, we the Bucks have not had good production from their kickers the past couple of years. I thought this was a, uh, a, I thought it was a good move. It so it, it addresses a need, and it's a very important need. You know, the kicking game is so underrated. 
to be able to get a very accurate kicker like that, I think is a huge gift for this team. Uh, trading up into the second round to get him the second year in a row, we've traded up into the back end of the second round to acquire a starter. Last year was Ali Marpet, who's a, a play, who's a starting at right guard for us. I, I, I like the acquisition. Um, I understand the criticism that it happened very early, but from what I understand, there were a lot of teams that liked this kid, and he could have gone any time during the third round. Um, so for the Bucks, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm behind this move, and it's it's really because I'm. I really, I, 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 you know, I, a lot of people say I overrate kickers, but I just respect and, and understand how much importance they truly have on a game. Well, I want to come out and talk about something controversial here that you won't hear ESPN and CBS and Fox and any of these talk about, and it's about the Alabama Crimson Tide. It's about some of the players and and you starting to, I'm starting to see it now. You look at this draft, and you start seeing these big players start dropping down and down and down. Eventually, they get drafted, of course. But what's happening at Alabama, Jonathan, we'll start with you on this, is the use of some kind of performance-enhancing drugs they're using in college that they're not allowed to use in the NFL. And I think, the, I think Alabama's using it perfectly. And uh, I think what happens is once they get cleaned up, and they have to play without that. I think they struggle. I think they really struggle. And I think over the years the trend has been set. I've been saying it for five years, and maybe people are starting to listen now. These guys get juiced up, and now in the NFL they have to play clean. They're not that impactful. Is, am I reaching on that by saying that, or are you starting to buy it after you after you keep seeing it year after year? Well, I think there definitely is a component to it where maybe that could be something I'm not willing to attach my name necessarily to that right away. Um, but I, I think there I is becoming a little bit of a stigma with Alabama guys um, from the standpoint that we've seen numerous of them kind of, they not kind of, but really not work out in the pros, um, whether it's from overuse, uh, whether it is from a performance enhancement related thing, I'm not sure. But there definitely is something there where you see teams are starting to get a little gun-shy of taking Alabama prospects because not too many of them have really tanned out too well in the pros. Let's start. Let's start. I'm going to talk just a minute here, and I don't want to hog the whole show up, show up and we'll go to Cuervo. And I am putting my name to this because I do have proof that they were in a hotel buying steroids before the LSU championship game. Uh, that year, but let's look at Mark Ingram come into, I know people have growth spurts, but he came into Bama about a buck, buck 75, buck 80, turns into the incredible Hulk, wins the Heisman, which was a joke, but, but then he went, goes to the NFL, he gets fat, he gets slower, he gets hurt, and now he has to learn to play straight. Trent Richardson looked like, I mean, he chiseled out of stone, looked like his body was, and then now look at him, he's not my size, trying to find a job, Eddie Lacy, he didn't get as much much carry, so maybe he wasn't juiced up as much. But when he came off, I think he got a little fat, and he had to, that little bit. Just no production in the defensive side of the ball. Where is that, Trevor? Where is that defensive firepower you see in college? You see these guys play when they get in the NFL. They're just ordinary men, and they're not ordinary in college. I mean, these guys are are head and shoulders above the rest, and I'm. And I don't care what anybody says. I, I'm not stupid. I don't need. I don't need proof. I don't need physical proof to say something. I can put two and two together. 
I think Alabama and the strength and conditioning coach, that's why they work so hard to keep him. There's not many people going to inject steroids into people and give them the right combination. They get to the pros, they, they struggle, man. What do you think? Yeah, well, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'll ask you, what do you think? I mean, I've been saying this for about five years, and nobody pays attention. And it's not because I'm I'm an Auburn fan. I'm telling you, it happens everywhere, but especially at Alabama. It's it's uh, part of the the saving plan. Get in. Sit, we're going to redshirt you the first year as you're filling up on steroids and working out, and then we're going to turn you loose in the second and third year, and you're going pro. That's, that's the saving way, I'm telling you. Yeah, and you mean I can't I can't prove it, Carvin. I mean, you know, as far as whether it is happening or not. But I think there is something to be said about how productive these guys are, and and then all of a sudden they just, you know, they don't pan out. And, and there's very very few guys that have panned out. I mean, I think the one guy that I could think of that has really panned out in the past few years that that has come out of Alabama, and I mean he—he's only in the second year this year. But Amari Cooper had a great uh, rookie season, and we'll mm-hmm. see if, if if it starts to wear down. Yeah, but yeah, that's, to... not, that's not a that's not a steroid position though, Cuervo. That's not that's not the well, that requires. Julio wasn't either. Julio um, was just. Uh, I mean, Julio stays Julio. He's always been Julio. I'm talking about these guys that go from 180 to 235 and then then from 235 to 270. And then, I mean, it's just insane. I mean, as a receiver, do you really need steroids? I mean, do you really need steroids? Apparently, you do. I mean, if you're going to go play down there in Tuscaloosa. but Yeah, you do. Maybe you're right. Maybe the I, the point I was making though, Tarvin, was you know it's not it's not just the running back position that that this is happening with. I mean, you look at the the guys that have come out of Alabama. You know, D. Milner, he gets drafted by the Jets. Uh, I believe the Jets moved up to grab him, and he hasn't panned out. Um, ha ha, Clinton Dix. I mean, that is arguable whether he's been good or. Or he's been a bust, or he's just he's an average. average guy. He's been average, yeah. but he was he was a stud in college. He's, so I mean, it's not just running backs. And, and what I'm saying is, there's been a couple guys overall from the program that have really panned out. So it, it just you know, it's kind of like who's that, I who's guess, that big I guess, lineman that was taken, Clevo? Who was that big offensive lineman from Bama not too long ago? What's his name? The offensive lineman that we that really hasn't done anything. What's his name? Fluker uh, or Warmack? Yeah, it's Chance Warmack and which, Fluker. Which one? DJ Fluker. 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 That's one of them. What has he done? Nothing I know of. Yeah, not much. That's what I'm saying is, I stood beside some Bama. Look, I was sitting. I was walking beside Bama players, and when they were getting at us. And these guys, I mean, these defensive tackles that are 300 pounds are chiseled muscle, man. I mean, it's not like, with the, you know, like when Notre Dame played with Chris Zurich and the shirts up and the fat hanging out or anything like that. These guys are like machines. And all of a sudden they get drafted. The NFL piss test like every night. You go in there and have a the piss man's waiting in your bathroom when you come in. 
And and that's mm-hmm. why you can't do it in the NFL. But you can do it in college. There's a lot of things in college you can do that's not tested as much. And I'm telling you, and it's not just Alabama. Please don't think that. Please don't think that I'm sitting here saying that Alabama is the only team that deuces up. There's every team that does it. Florida State probably – Florida State probably does it more than anybody, and we're just not even talking about them because Jonathan's on the show today. But but you know you know the Auburn Tigers you know the Auburn Tigers would never do something like that, don't you? Uh, no, of course not. Of course not. Because because if you cheat and lose, that looks even worse, doesn't it? I mean, if you, <laughs> you're Auburn. <laughs> at least Alabama's winning championships when they're cheating, you know. Well, with that being said, I think I think Tennessee's taking the opposite of steroids. No, Tennessee's <laughs> on. There's a lot of players on Tennessee. There's a lot of players on Tennessee taking steroids. I think it's just the coach got a couple brain parts in there. Um, Jalen Hurd, Jalen Hurd, you know he's not on steroids. Um, but I'm, I'm just trying to talk about it because you're not going to hear this on ESPN. People are afraid, but. Sue me for what? You know, what am I saying? I'm not naming individuals and saying it. It, It's just my perception from looking at the Alabama football program and the trend of what I've been saying for five years now. And maybe one day I'll be in Sports Illustrated as, hey, this guy, I've got episodes for five years, the one that brought it out. When it comes out that Alabama's busted that strength and conditioning coach over there jumping up and down for four quarters, acting like a maniac, um, Maybe they'll realize. Maybe I'll get famous guys and be rich, and I can bring all you guys in with me. You know, but but you have to agree with me. Though you can't just you can't try to squirrel out and say no, or you won't get paid, man. I'm getting paid one day. It's gonna be soon. But but I mean, mm-hmm. you, you look at the Oregon Duck players. You look at Oregon Duck players and people like that. There's no steroids around. Those guys are 150 pounds, and and you look at. Ohio State players, some of them, they're good, but they're not juiced. You look at Alabama and LSU players, I mean, there's a difference, guys. I mean, when you look at those two teams right there, I, I guarantee you they have the same supplier, Jonathan. Those two teams are spitting images of one another. The only difference is LSU has a stupid coach, and Alabama's got one of the best of all time. Oh, I, I, you know, this this is something that you know John Jansen went on HPO about a decade ago now and said, and something that I, you know, my, you know, I've always kind of insinuated, and something my father's always preached, and there, there's all there's to play at this level and to play at such a high level, there is performance enhancing use. There, there is you know, whether it's steroids, testosterone, HGH, uh, no matter what it is. There's, you're usually going to be some sort of that. And the NFL knows this, and they're not going to do anything about it because a lot of your top-end guys are, are are using that. I mean, that's how some of these guys are that big, that fast, that good. You know, that that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, Ray Lewis, right before um, their, you know, that Super Bowl championship over uh, the 49ers, was being investigated for the whole deer antler spray thing. I was like, don't think that's the first time Ray Lewis ever saw something like that. These players are much bigger, faster, and stronger than they were in the 70s, you know, in the 80s, even in the 90s. Let's be honest. You know, the guys now are, are built differently. You know, so I don't think that to say that there is use, I don't think that that, that, that statement's inaccurate. I, I think that, the, you know, the, it is going on. It's just let it go how on. many of them. Why not, why how not, many why of not them? let it go on? 
Why not let it go on? Why not let everybody stay on the same playing field and say, guys, look, if you want to, and here's the deal, use it to protect yourself because I couldn't imagine going out there, guys, and getting hit as much as these guys do. And in order to get hit the way they do and recover, it's not being in good shape. It's it's using something that's restoring those torn muscles and bruises and, and everything and heals you up. I'm not bashing you for using it. That's not – I would do it – I would be juicing up every day if I played football. There's no doubt about it. But what I'm saying is let everybody do it, Cuervo. Let's not just, you know, just turn a blind eye to a couple. Let everybody, if they want to do HGH and they're old enough, let them. If they want to do testosterone injections, let them. I mean, what's they going to hurt? Well, I mean, when they're young, it won't hurt much. But I would have, I would imagine it's probably some – Effects later on in life, but you know when you're young, you don't think about that stuff. Yeah, when you're young, you're you know you're rich and think about it. Think about it. You're you're 30 years old, Cuervo. Um, You need to keep your job. You need your money. That's your income. You need a couple more years. How are you gonna stay up with a with a 22, 23 year old running back? How do you do that? You got to find an advantage. You got to find that that, that boost. The NFL is popular because there's steroid uses going on and everything. And like Jonathan said, for the big-time players, they just turn a blind eye to. He's right. Exactly. Baseball sucks right now because they don't let anything be used, honestly. I can't watch a baseball game right now. I like to see balls go out of the infield. And And it's like these guys just can't hit anymore. I mean, let's make sports fun again. Okay, let's let's put HGH in it. Let's run it rampant. Let's let these guys play. And let's see, when everybody is on steroids, Jonathan, I mean, are they afraid that, that people are going to start killing people and doing things like that? I mean, I just don't see the harm in it. I think you're helping them if you're allowing them to use it. It's going to help them from injury if they're, if they're using rather than if they're not. Well, there is a negative stigma attached to it because um, what happened with, um, you know, we've seen it with pro wrestlers um, that have abused it and then they've had their mental snaps and, you know, done some heinous things. Um, and, and it's always, there's always going to be a stigma surrounding steroids, especially if it's not done right. And most of the times it's not done right. Um, HGH, I don't understand the negativity behind it. Uh, it helps prolong a player's career by keeping them healthy. So what's so bad about, you know, your body naturally produces human growth hormone anyways. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do think uh, there's, you know, like a, a testosterone booster, unless your doctor prescribes it to you, I don't recommend anybody take a test booster. Just from the standpoint of, as a man, your body's naturally going to produce it. If you start using a test booster, you come off the cycle, your body's going to stop producing it. You know, so there are certain things that I'm for and I'm against, um, I, I think if you know we're if we're the NFL is going to essentially allow steroid use, need to go ahead and make sure that it's done safely uh, and that the players are, are doing it correctly, oh. or else you're just going to wind up harming. You know, it just winds up harming them because they're trying to sneak by by doing it, and that could lead to the negative yeah. side effects. Well, HGH is not recommended until you're like 35 years old. So I mean. Not many NFL players are playing at 35 unless you're a quarterback, and I still think that's how Brady's getting by right now. Um, looking at how he's playing, um, Peyton Manning didn't take it. Everybody acts like he did. There's no way he took that. 
but if he did, I'm not I'm not beating him up for it, Clairvo, because I mean, if you're a certain age, it's actually beneficial for you. It's not going to hurt you. But if you take it before you fully developed, it can cause problems. You have to wait till everything stops growing uh, to be able to take that. And I don't want to get on a tangent about that. That's not what I'm here for. But what's your thoughts on the draft so far, Cuervo? I, I kind of like these later rounds better than I do the first ones. There's so much value being added by these teams uh, in these later rounds that people just like, I'll look at a player and go, like, God, I forgot all about this person. And it's like, he'll be a starter next year. Um, what do you think about the round after the first and second round? Well, I'll tell you, I can speak <clears throat> about at least what the Bears have done so far in the draft. And I think they have one more pick. Um, you know, it's like you said, I mean, there's there's guys that you might have forgotten about. Like, for example, I think, I think actually, I think it was the Browns that took Ricardo Lewis. So that's one of the yeah, you know, team him. receivers that they've drafted. And, um, you know, so you never know. He might make the team and he might do some things for the Browns. And it's kind of like, oh, crap, I forgot about him. And But then at the same time, you know, especially because this season, you know, I wasn't able to follow as, as regularly as I normally do in, in the college game. There are some guys that I've never heard of that are um, – some studs, and again, I'm, I'm talking about specifically who the Bears have drafted, and and I did I did a little homework, and I'm like, who is this guy? I want to see what he's about, and man, the Bears have drafted them some some playmakers, and, and I can't wait to see, you know, if they make the team or 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 how they're going to be used on the team. Like, you know, for example, there's a the linebacker from West Virginia, um, what's his Nick Kiyosowski. Yeah, that guy, that guy is a motor. And, and and I didn't know who he was until I looked him up and I was like, man, this guy's this guy's got a motor on him and he he's got a nose for the football and and then of course, I mean, I know who Bullard was a little bit. Um Florida, the Florida tackle, the uh defensive tackle and and uh, but when I saw what he could do, it, it just kind of blew my mind. So there's guys that that I may, you know, you may even not even know about and you look and, and you see, like, man, this is like a diamond in the rough. So, uh, and I know every team's got, you know, probably one or maybe even two that they've drafted. But, you know, that's what's great about the later rounds, like you said. Like you said, I mean, it's going to be guys you've never heard of that are going to be the ones that surprise people. And there's guys that that you forgot about. Like I said, I mean, Jeff Driscoll gets drafted by the the Forty ers Like, yeah, I mean. I forgot he he had transferred to Louisiana Tech. So I mean, there's a lot of guy Brandon Dowdy went to the Dolphins. Brandon Dowdy, Sonny quarterback. He went like 224. Jonathan could be could be a sleeper. uh, It's a good pick for the Dolphins. I, I you know I enjoyed watching Dowdy. Uh, in college at Western Kentucky. I thought he was a good quarterback. He's going to need some time, of course, to develop and get used to the speed uh, adjustment coming from the conference uh, USA. Uh, but, um, you know, I I agree with, with Kerwin. I agree with you. I think these later rounds you do, you see some great talent get picked up. And, you know, Kerwin, there's guys that you forgot about that uh, get picked up. There's a lot of guys who, you know, I, I I know the name and I'm waiting for them to get picked and they get picked in that fourth or fifth round and you go, this team just got a steal. 
You know, I mean, they, they couldn't have gotten a better player at that position. And I've seen that numerous times over these days. And I'll see some guys that have fallen that are making me scratch my head and are going to be the next, you know, possibly undrafted guy that you're going to sit there and go, wow, watch this. Watch this. This guy's going to come out of nowhere and stun a lot of people. A lot of people are going to be upset they passed on him. You know, so I do. I think these, these later rounds can provide better value. And this is where a lot of the your studs will come out of. these. You know, obviously the first, second, third rounds, a lot of people are like, well, this is where you should get your starters. These guys are drafting to start right away. With the fourth or seventh round, you can get starters, and it'll surprise you at first. And well, we didn't like that he was six foot instead of six foot one. Now it's usually stupid things that knock these guys down a little bit. Yeah, and they, and uh, you know, I just saw something. Blake Bortles, his first two years, was sacked 106 times. That's a record. Can you be? I mean, I can't imagine that. 106 times you've been sacked in two seasons. As a starter, did Jacksonville go out and, and address the needs on the offensive line maybe um, during this draft? I haven't kept up with them a lot. But tell me they went and drafted some offensive linemen. Well, I mean, with, with the Jaguars offensively, I think they felt they are comfortable. It's a defense that they were really worried about. Obviously, Bortles has taken a lot of hits. Bortles also had to show the football a lot because they've been behind. Uh, their secondary uh, has been suspect. That's why the addition of uh, – uh, Ramsey and uh, Jack are actually really going to help out uh, this, this defense because Jack is very rangy and he can help in coverage. Um, and Ramsey obviously is going to be able to help in the secondary. So Jacksonville, I think, is more worried about trying to get the defense closer to the offensive level so he can kind of balance it out and run the ball a little more and protect Bortles a little more. You know, you want to look at guys who have taken, you know, Bortles, yes, 106 times, that's a lot. But look up David Carr and Tim Couch's sack numbers. Those were stupid high. So the Bortles, now he got beat up. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, he is a big guy too, so he can he can handle it for a little while. But um, the Patriots, the Cuervos seem to be you know getting some some good players. But what do you think about Seattle getting Alex Collins late in the draft? I mean, that was a steal. Uh, that was a yeah, complete was steal too. by the Seahawks. And, I, and it just makes him so much better going with Russell Wilson, somebody like Collins. He's a he's a downhill runner, and he can fly, man. I mean, he's just a beast. I cannot believe he, he went that low. I think I think Alex Collins reminds Seattle of another guy that, that they had at running back who yeah, just uh, chopped up the deuces. Exactly. So, um, I'm yep. not saying he's, you know, he's uh, going to be the next Marshawn Lynch, but I'm sure he, Alex Collins reminds them a lot of him. So, you know, yes, he's he a big guy. Yeah, I mean, he's a big guy that can that can take a hit. He can take a, you know, uh, he can break tackles, and um, <clears throat> he's real durable. I mean, and and that's and he's the opposite of what these Alabama guys are. I mean. He was productive, but he wasn't getting, you know, 300 carries in 13 games. So, um, yeah, but yeah, because you know, they had like three running backs that were real good. Like they spread the wealth out a little bit. Where Alabama's like hell with it, three, four yards yeah, carry. Well, you know, I watched and that's advantage. Iron Bowl that's and advantage Collins. I get the ball. I saw him getting the Iron Bowl. I swear to God, they gave it to him like 15 times in a row on one drive, and I'm like. Really? Are we not ever going to get him off the field? I mean, can he not take a water break or something? I mean, the guy's like a a machine. Tell me, Jonathan, how my Carolina Panthers have done in this draft so far, you think? Uh, looking at Carolina, 
I think they've had an interesting draft. Um, the Vernon Butler pick, I know, has puzzled a lot of people, and, and my, my response to that is obviously they think, they think having a three-man rotation in the middle is going to help them out, and maybe they're afraid they're not going to be able to retain one of Kwan Star Luzatelli. I mean, Vernon Butler is a very talented uh, defensive tackle. He's going to really help that defense out. Look at their – they've taken three cornerbacks in the draft. Um, definitely something that I'm intrigued by. Obviously, they, you know, Josh Norman was a fifth-round pick, so they want to keep adding to their secondary, and I think that's a great idea by, by them. They keep trying to you know, improve a secondary that at times people wonder, is it really good enough to keep, uh, keep it going, or is this front seven really carrying them? So add talent to that back four, and you can really uh, see a defense that could really step up and just, you know, take over next year. You know, because you know, Carolina knows defense is going to carry them. Offensively, they're getting Calvin Benjamin back. That's a huge addition for them next year. They know they didn't have to go get another receiver. You compare Calvin with, like, a Ted Ginn, that's a good, that's a good compliment, especially with Greg Olson playing a tight end. They already have running backs. They're very comfortable with their stable running back. Offensive line, they obviously feel comfortable. You know, as much as weird as that sounds, looking at the uh, the at the Super Bowl, they feel comfortable with that offensive line. So it's all, for them, it was all about keeping improving the defense, maintaining the high level. I think they've done a good job. Uh, could it have been better, of course. Are there are certain guys that they could have taken instead, of course. I don't think anybody truly has a perfect draft, but I think Carolina's done a good job of trying to maintain the status quo. I'll tell you this, go ahead and lock it in now. Take the plus three in Carolina opening night in the NFL against Denver. They're going to beat the piss out of this Denver Broncos team. And go ahead, Cuervo, take the three, take the money line, tease it, whatever you want to do. Just go to the bank Friday morning. Well, I don't even know, well, I don't even know why, why Denver's even favored. Is it because they're the, the defending champs and they're yeah, at home? They're at home, That's yeah, silly. they're at home and – yeah, they're going to get their ass handed to them. Like, yeah, okay. Seriously. You, yeah, like Pat Cam, Cam Newton. Like his, uh... Well, I mean, I don't even think it's about no. that. It's just Paxton Lynch. The, the, you think the rookie's going to come out on his first on his first opening night and, and, and beat, you know, <laughs> beat, yeah, beat Luke Keekley and those guys? No, oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry the line has dropped to a pick and it's dropped three points. I got a value pick, guys, when I got it. Let's look at some other ones. Just this for some fun right here before we go to the NBA. Got a question for you guys. Are favorite. All right. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut you off, Tarvin. I want. I wanted to ask. Yeah, you um, did. Well, I definitely. <laughs> yeah, did. I mean, I'm going to be as rude to the host as possible. So there you go. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I wanted to ask Jonathan. There, there's a guy that there's a running back that the Bears drafted, Jordan Howard, out of Indiana. Um, I don't know if you know much about him. I'm just kind of curious. I, I, I don't. I didn't really see him play or anything. Uh, is, he, is he a solid guy? I mean, is he a guy that can, you know, uh, compete with Langford for the starting starting job, or, or is this just a, a, you know, a backup guy? Like, what's he about? Uh, Jordan Howard is somebody. He transferred to Indiana from UAB last year after uh, they shut down their program. And if you watched Indiana-Michigan game, if you haven't, I'd, I'd suggest going back and, and looking at that. He carried Indiana in that game. Uh, you know, it was essentially Michigan against Jordan Howard. They couldn't stop him. He, he's a very good runner, gets uphill, uh, can take on some contact, might not burn you downfield, but he, he won't get after you. Um I think he's a good pick. I think he's going to push Langford and Carey and Jaquiz Rogers for Carey. I think Jaquiz Rogers needs to really start considering maybe he's not going to be on the team next year. Um, 
unless he has a really good uh, uh, um, try training camp. So I think Howard's going to come in right away, compete for carries, and I think he's he's the one who's going to push Langford because they like carry as that change of pace back. Howard and Langford are really going to be the ones competing for that job of the between the tackles runners. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's like pretty said, good. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing. Well, Jonathan, Jonathan, your 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 Tampa Bay Bucks are a three point dog first game against the Falcons. Yeah, that's about right. That's about right. Well, I guess we'll see how that shapes out. I mean. You know, for Atlanta, it's all about trying to make sure, you know, they address some needs in the secondary, and I think that's going to help them out. So, for Atlanta, it's just seeing how their defense progresses. Offensively, we know they're talented uh, with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and what they have going on there. So, you know, for the Bucks, it's going to be all about the defense. The offense is up to the task last year. That defense was very suspect. We, we The Bucks had a hard time getting after the quarterback. And, uh, you know, when you gave too much time, the secondary really got picked on. There were times where those quarterbacks just could not stay on the field against whoever they were covering. So it's going to be interesting to see. I could see Hargrave, his first assignment, being Julio Jones. And that's going to be a, a real challenge for him. Bears on the clock. Cuervo, your Bears are a five-and-a-half-point underdog to Houston, which I kind of like the Bears in that game, um, to be honest with you, five-and-a-half points. We'll see. But, guys, it's, it's, it's April 30th. Okay, we're, not, we're, we're, we're a few months away from the start of the season. And I'm glad I got Carolina plus three, you know. Went ahead and jumped all over that like a <laughs> Batman on some, on some pancakes. <laughs> and uh, hey guys, if you want to check our show out, go to ultimatesportstalk.com. We're one of their main shows now. We've made our way up the rankings, ultimatesportstalk.com. We're we're just setting records each year on this show, thanks to all you guys. And and without the information, like with Querpo, Sonny, Jonathan, Trey, without Quinn, Jason, all the people that provide knowledge to this show and and a great point of view. That's that's why people listen. We're not on here just you know, like you know, Brian and Jonathan picked 30% of the games right last year. No, they picked 70% of the games right last year. Let's talk about that. And Cuervo and, and Sonny and their NFL knowledge, mm-hmm. too. I'm sorry if you hear my dog barking in the background. My apologies. But, hey, I do want to talk some NBA real quick. Um, mm-hmm. First off, the Lakers hiring, uh, what's that idiot's name, the kid? Luke Walton. Golden State. Yeah, what a huge mistake that was. I know Big Dog, I talked to him this morning. He loved the guy. He loved the move. Uh, Cuervo, I thought it was a terrible, terrible move by the Lakers to hire this guy. I, I mean, I, I I would agree only because I think when if you're the Lakers and you want to get back to the glory days, I guess you could say, you got to go out and you got to – find you a name and, and I'm not saying you know, yeah, right like go after him see if coach K's willing to you know make that move and, and, and you're probably not going to get coach K now, how many times have the Lakers offered him the job but when you're when you're the Los Angeles Lakers and when people think of LA now and and it's gotten to the point where people are like this is a Clippers town that is a slap in the face you know, and, and I think when you're the Lakers, you got to really wake up and say, whoa, 
you know, that we're, we're starting to really lose um, the, the, the rich tradition of what the Los Angeles Lakers are, especially now that you're the last, uh, well, for, foreseen legend in the history of that franchise has, has just retired. I mean, I don't think I can name, you can honestly tell me that any of these guys on the Lakers right now are going to wind up being one of the greats in the history of that, of that franchise. I mean, I don't see it from any of them. So what the Lakers should have done, in my opinion, was wait to, like you said, go get John Calipari, offer the job to Coach K. I mean, see if Tom Izzo is interested. I mean, <clears throat> and maybe he was last name. year. You need a name that can. Uh, you need a name, an adult. You need an adult that can draw the big names. Too. You, know, you need these free agents. You get Calipari, all these Kentucky players. I mean, people respect him now. He's a different coach than he was when he was in the NBA last time. I would have paid him ten, eleven, twelve million dollars a year to, to come to the Lakers. Yeah, uh, I'm with you, and it would have been worth well, depending on the outcome. It would have been every, worth every penny to, to at least get him in L.A. Jonathan Walton looks like a teenager to me. I mean, is he is he going to have the respect of these players? Really? I mean, I just I just don't think he's what the answer is. He's not an authoritative figure. Well, let me start by saying you can offer Izzo, Cal, and K, but they're not coming. Those guys are entrenched at where they're at. They're, you know, they're they're not they're not going anywhere. Patino might be the only one, and even then, I doubt it because Patino grew up a Celtics fan. Um, so uh, I, I don't I don't think he were going to go get a big name out of college uh, like, like one of those guys. Maybe a Shaka Smart is somebody you could have uh, talked him into, but even then, I think he's a, a college coach who's not going to go much further uh, than those ranks because that's what he enjoys. Um, I, I, for the Lakers, I don't. I have nothing against the Walton hire. I think he is going to command respect because he was part of the cha- some championship teams with the Lakers. You know, he he was a, a very good college player. He was, uh, you know, it, he was a an NBA player that if he could have stayed healthy, if uh, he hadn't succumbed to injuries, he would have had a, a much longer career. Might even still be playing. So I think he's going to command respect for the locker room. I think uh, the the fact that he's on the Golden State coaching staff, he was the head coach of that team to, to start this year when Steve Kerr was out. And I know, you know, a lot of people do the whole, well, how hard was it to coach them? Well, it, the team still needs to be coached. You can't just send them out there and let them do what they're going to do. They, they're still going to need some guidance. And Luke was able to provide that. And if he incorporates the systems they had in Golden State, which I fully expect, then that obviously that's a huge addition over what they had under Byron Scott, which is we don't know what we're doing, but we're doing something. So I think this is a good hire. I think this is a good step forward for the Lakers. Uh, it's going to be all about free agency now. You know, they, they, they obviously the draft's important to them because they are picking high again. Um, but with, as far as it goes, they're going to have money to burn. You know, Kobe coming off the books, um, you know, the, the increase in the cap. So they're going to, you know, it, it's going to be vital to them to make a push and acquire a free agent. I, I think Kevin Durant's definitely on the table for them. So let's see how this progresses. Let's see how it goes. I'm not willing to sink his ship yet because a lot of people were on board with the Steve Kerr hire at first, and we've seen how that's turned out for Golden State. 
Yeah, well, let's talk about tonight's Thunder-Spurs matchup. Game one of, uh, I think it's going to be a seven-game series. I I don't know who's going to win this one, but it's two powerhouses, Jonathan. Uh, tonight, San Antonio is a seven-point favorite over Oklahoma City. You think that's a little high? Uh, it's interesting to see how that line keeps climbing. Obviously, uh, it just tells you with the public uh, what they believe. I think San Antonio having the rest, and, and for them, you people talk about rest versus rust. No, nah, for San Antonio, it's rest. Uh, you know, they, they need the time off with, with the age of their of their core. So I think this is going to be a good thing. We saw Oklahoma City struggle a little bit against Dallas, uh, more than I think we anticipated. Uh, so I, I think San Antonio is going to come out tonight, make a statement, and win this game by double digits. You said San Antonio struggled with Memphis, you thought? Uh, no, I thought Oklahoma City struggled a little bit with Dallas. Um, oh, you know, obviously they, they dropped the one game. Um, but it just seemed at times defensively they looked a little lost. And I don't think you're going to see the big production from Enos Cantor and Deion Waiters that we saw Oklahoma City be able to get in that series. You know Leonard's going to harass uh, Durant, and they're kind of just going to let Westbrook try and take over this game. They're going to Michael Jordan rule him. So if Westbrook has 50 see, points and the rest of the team combines for 30, what are you going to do? Yeah, and 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 Squirrel and I talked about this earlier, Jonathan. What it, what's going to happen when Westbrook's firing up these shots and he's he's just missing? He's cold. But you know Westbrook, he's going to keep shooting. He's going to keep shooting and shooting. And that's a great point you brought up about some of the old guys, the role players for Oklahoma City. Squirrel, that's what I mentioned to you earlier that I liked Oklahoma City. But Jonathan kind of swayed me a little bit. Like you know, that's playing against balance a team with not much at all. But now you're playing against San Antonio. How how effective where both can Cantor be and Baca? And who's the other guy you named, Jonathan? Uh, Dion Waiters. Yeah, Dion Waiters. Cuervo, I mean, Jonathan makes a good point there, I believe. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the level of competition is definitely, <laughs> you know, definitely elevating when you go from Dallas to playing San Antonio. I think Dallas was – you know, a team that um, I wouldn't say those they were they were lucky to get in, but man, um, you know, with, with the lack of of talent around Dirk that they have, I mean, it just you know they 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 were they were you know they were able to scrape their way in, but now you're taking on you know a team like uh, Oklahoma City for San Antonio, which. You know, I, I think what really comes down to it, it is going to be depth and it is going to be, um, you know, the, the defense that San Antonio plays. That's what's really going to be different for Oklahoma City is they're facing a team now that you really will shut you down. I mean, they, they've proven it. I mean, they've done it against the best of the best. I mean, you know, they, they, if you don't play fundamentally sound, you can't beat San Antonio, especially – on the road, they play such disciplined yeah. offense and defense that they, they you make you work for your things. shots. And if you're lazy, yeah, and if you're lazy on defense a little bit, they're going to make you pay. And all of a sudden, they go on a 10, 12 nothing run, and the game's mm-hmm. about over. That was not a right. team, Jonathan, that you, you come back from. If you get big and hole, they don't let you back. They, they put you the foot on the throat, and they finish the mm-hmm. deal. Is Oklahoma City disciplined enough, Jonathan, to to win this series or a game? Just say game one. Are they disciplined enough 
to come in and win a game in San Antonio? I think they can do it, but I don't. I do not believe it'll be game one. Because um, you're talking to them winning possibly game two or game five. Yeah, I, I think they do have the uh, the ability to do that, and I do think that you know this is a series that is built for them to do this. Just because I believe San Antonio will take one of the games in Oklahoma City. So I think by the time we get to game five, Oklahoma City could be staring elimination in the face, uh, and they'll, they'll be playing really desperate at that point. So, so, so tonight you're favoring San Antonio a lot because they have rested. So you're saying a game two might be different than game five because then it starts wearing them down just a little bit. That's what you're kind of saying, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I just my scenario looking at this is we could be staring at um, them being, you know, Oklahoma City being down 3-1 going into game five, and I can see them winning that game. And I think at that point it's just because San Antonio realizes, hey, we can we can kind of take this one a little easier than usual. Um, this is a game that we, we can you – know, you never say you can afford to lose a game, but it would be a game that looking at you go, yeah, I mean, if we lost this one, it's on a death knell for the series. So I think game five is the only game, though, that Oklahoma City could steal in San Antonio. Hey, Cuervo, do you remember a few years ago when Durant, a couple of years ago when Durant said that Leonard was a good player, but it was because of the San Antonio system? How much of that do you think Leonard's going to count on Durant tonight if he can? Well, I, I think I think that's, you know, a little bit of a, how do I say, you know, it's a revenge factor. It's it's going to add fuel to the to the fire that, that Kawhi Leonard's going to have and, and you know, I'm sure he would love to prove that he's more than just a systematic uh, basketball player. I mean, he, I think Kawhi Leonard really. If I had to start a franchise, and, and I know this is going to sound crazy to 90% of your audience, and but if I had to start a franchise right now, I would actually consider taking Kawhi Leonard just because of the all-around ability that he has. I mean. He, he, there's nothing that he does. He's not um, spectacular at anything, but he's very good at everything. You know, there's not one thing that he does that's just yeah. head and shoulders, but he's very solid all around. Yeah, I mean, that, and it's it's just one of those things about the Spurs mentality. It's just the way they play the game. So, Jonathan, tonight in scenarios, would you would you hear the odds tonight just so we can go through this real quick before we get and we'll talk the other two series real quick. Um seven points right or six and a half, Spurs are six and a half, money line minus three hundred. Um Oklahoma City plus two forty. What do you think? Uh What's the I best would, value tonight. Well, I mean your safe your safest bet is um San Antonio money line. You don't have to, you know, because you don't have to worry about them covering the points. That's always a a, a tricky situation with San Antonio. Uh, but with the line being as low as it is, I see no issue in them um, actually covering those points. But personally, myself, I would, if I'm going to take a jump, I'm going to lay the 300 on the Spurs uh, to win 100. Good Lord. That's- that's a, but if you put a hundred on OKC to win game, when you win two forty, 
So you're only risking a hundred. That's all you can lose. You can win two forty. If you take the spurs, you can risk a hundred. You risk three hundred to win a hundred. Cuervo, what do you like? Um. Now what's my line again? Is it seven? It's six and a half. Six and a half. Yeah, I would. I honestly, I think. Uh, I think I would go San Antonio. Would you pick him just to win the game for three to one odds, or for the hundred to lose three hundred and to win a hundred, or would you give up six and a half minus one ten? Hmm. I would probably say yeah. I would. I would lay the six and a half. I think San Antonio could probably win by eight to ten points tonight. See, I like I like Oklahoma City plus six and a half. I like. San Antonio money now. Or what I could do, here's something that you could do. If you got the balls to do it, you lose juice. What do you think about taking San Antonio, buying it down to four and a half or five, just say buy it down to five, Jonathan, and buy Oklahoma City up to eight and a half. So if it hits anywhere between like four or five to eight, you win both ways. It's funny. I have a good friend who is a fan of the double T's, where he will tease a game both ways. Um, and I'm not, I, and, and a game like this, I don't think that's a terrible idea. I think that is definitely something that you can take advantage of. So here's what it does, Cuervo. I'm, uh, I'm doing minus four and a half San Antonio, and I have Oklahoma City plus eight and a half. So if it lands anywhere between five and eight, I win. If San Antonio wins, but the most I can lose is fifty bucks because the juice is, is fifty bucks. So you put fifty at risk to win two hundred, really. And that's San Antonio winning between four and a half and eight and a half. That's a good sweet spot. I I, I think I think you could probably. I would say you'd be able to get away with it. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what, you, that's what you do when you confuse. That's what you do when you confuse. You just take both of them and just cheer for a close game. That's it at the end. Mm-hmm. San Antonio's up. San Antonio's up four at the end. You know, Oklahoma City fouls. They sink two free throws. They walk away with a six-point win. You walk away winning both of them. Mm-hmm. Y'all talk me into it. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Dude, I get more excitement. Double my fun with less risk. That's what I like to do. So, but the thing Always. is, though, you, you, that juice that juice goes up. You know, it's fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're gonna you're gonna win a hundred on one of them. You're gonna lose one fifty on the other one, or you're gonna win a hundred on both of them. So, do you think that's a mm-hmm. good idea, guys? Should I do it? Yes or no? Yes. Thank y'all. If you're feeling froggy, go ahead. I'm jumping. I'm jumping. Ribbit. Don't let me jump. I'm jumping. <laughs> All right, it's official. It's in there. Well, All good. right, good luck. I can only lose 50. I can only lose 50 bucks. So. Um, the other series, guys, real quick before we go, we had, we had the Charlotte Hornets last night with a chance to end this series, man. They had a perfect opportunity to to beat Miami in Charlotte where they where they seem to play better. 
Jonathan, they, they screwed up last night. Now they come back to Miami. I think they get dusted tomorrow in Miami game seven on a Sunday. I have a hard time disagreeing with that. I, I've been a a staunch uh, follower of, of Charlotte as far as uh, how they play at home and been able to make money off them at home. And I, on the road, though, they, they really have been rough. We've seen them struggle in Miami the, uh, this series. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think Miami does close it out um, tomorrow night. Yep. And then, Corvo, what do you think about that series? They had a chance. And I think that – how much air did that take out of the balloon of Charlotte? I mean, they won – that could have been, what, four in a row right there. They were down 2-0. They won the next three games one in Miami, and then they come back home and lay an egg. And it just gives – I just think it just turned the whole series right there. It did, and, and I think Miami's going to wind up winning. I think the problem with Charlotte was, you know, they're a young team and they were looking ahead. You know, they, they kind of felt like, well, we've been three times in a row yep. now. And, uh, you know, the, the fourth time uh, should, you know, just let's do what we've been doing the past few games. And, and we should have no worries. And, and I think – what they failed to realize was that Miami came to play because in elimination games, you know, teams teams show up and you know they they play out of uh, desperation. And I think the Hornets failed to realize that, and they wind up getting beat in Game Six. I don't know if it was Your a blowout or not, but yeah, no, it, so, yeah, it was a pretty. Blow. I think stars show up in Game Seven and. Who's the star for Miami? Dwayne Wade. Who's the star for Charlotte? Uh, Kemba Walker. What's his name? Yeah, I would say Kemba Walker. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's younger and everything, but Dwayne Wade's been there and done that. I mean, first round to him is not pressure, I don't think. You know, I think he'll I think he'll pull it away tomorrow. And that takes us to Indiana-Toronto. This is a series Cuervo picked Indiana. Here we are in the seventh game in Toronto. And remember, game Game five, Indiana blew a huge lead, Jonathan. You remember that, don't you? You remember how I felt about mm. that game. Yeah. <laughs> out a little bit. If, you're, if you remember, had Toronto money line, you'd lose about mm-hmm. 370, and Indiana had them blown out. Where, so, um, Indiana won last night, which is a good thing. It gives them some momentum heading into Toronto. <clears throat> I think they believe they can win in Toronto, and I think they can, um, but will they? Will Indiana beat Toronto tomorrow? Uh, I think they will. I mean, I, I've got to stick with my pick. You know, I mean, I I pick. I like the Pacers at the beginning of the series, uh, so I'm going to take Indiana in Game Seven. I think they get it done. Jonathan, uh, I'm going to go with uh, the home team. Eh, uh, gotta go ahead and decide with Toronto. Eh. I think Toronto, uh, they'll. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think Toronto is going to be able to pull it out. I think they're just a more balanced team. Uh, I, I, I think they have uh, certain advantages at certain positions, and, and this is going to be a, a close okay, game, eh? a highly contested game. Eh? Hey, okay, eh? all right, eh? <laughs> and uh, let's not forget a new series that's picking up tomorrow, the Golden State Warriors without uh, Stephon Curry playing a Portland team that, that's lucky to be there. The only reason they're there is because the Clippers lost their entire team. I would not be surprised if the Warriors sweep Portland. 
even without Curry, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on that series real quick? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, take Golden State in six. I think that they're still talented enough where they can get it done. You can let Lillard be Lillard, just shut down the rest of the team. And if you can do that, you can win this series. I believe Golden State can. I think defensively they're a better team um, than Portland. And there's still a lot of offensive firepower there with Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Sean Livingston's very underrated. Uh, Andrew Mogut should have a good series, so as well as Seth Cecilia. I think this is going to be uh, Golden State and a six-game route. Hey, guys, what do you think, Cuervo? Yeah, I'm going to say um... – I'm going to say this goes seven, Golden State, because I, I think I think the Ooh. injury I think the injury is is going to linger. See, there's the thing: Curry's had past uh, he has a history with ankle injuries, and, and and who's to say in game two or game three that thing doesn't doesn't um, flare up again? I'm not hoping He's for it. Saying, I hope it happens, but I don't think he plays. I mean, yeah, who's to say that? Who's to say it doesn't? Well, when he comes back. You know, let's just say he comes yeah, back for a game and, and his ankle swells up like a softball again or something. And it, it's a lingering injury. And Golden State's good enough to still compete with with Portland. And, and I think they could beat him, which is why I don't think Steph Curry's MVP because Golden State's still a good team without him. But that's beside the point. Um, you know, and, and that's why I think it'll it'll go to a full seven. Now, I think the Western Conference Finals are the start tonight. I think OKC San Antonio, the winner of this series, wins it all, guys. Um, Cleveland and Atlanta, that's not going to be much of a series. But the Hawks are playing better. The Hawks could, could win a couple, Jonathan, over the Cavaliers. Would you say Cleveland and six in this series? Oh, after last year and the way uh, Cleveland bounced Atlanta out of the playoffs, I think there's definitely going to be a revenge factor. There's going to be some animosity between the two ball clubs. Uh, I think Atlanta's going to be able to get at least one, possibly two games out of the series. But I still think it's a foregone conclusion that Cleveland's going to take this and uh, be uh, really the Eastern Conference representative. Yeah. Well, guys. It's been a pleasure to do business with you. We may do a show tomorrow night, too. What do you guys think about doing a show tomorrow night as well? Uh, you know I never say draft. no. Break down some teams. Let's, let's, let's go over each team. Uh, touch on all 30. Well, not Maybe not every team, but most teams. What do you think, Cuervo? Talk about each breakdown of each team. Where you can give them a grade. What do you think? A, B, C, D, E, or F? I think uh, <laughs> an E. And E for excellent. Um, no, I think, I, yeah. I would, yeah, I would like that. I think that'd be great. Um, and I, oh, and I know some will probably. A for A. For, for our Canadian teams. <laughs> but um, what's it called? Uh, um, yeah, and I'm sure he's going to tomorrow in the morning. Too. Yeah, I don't. He hasn't, okay. he hasn't said anything yet, but um, I'm sure he's going to at the last minute be like, "Hey, we're going to be on at this time." So. Keep an, keep an eye open for that. Yeah, okay. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure doing business with you. Look at us tomorrow. Um, that being said, with the Caps Potato Sunny Clark and yours truly, Cuervo, right here on our show. He, he knows his football, and tomorrow night we may even surprise you with uh, – I'm trying to get – 
I'm trying to get an interview with the guy from uh, Jeremy, Laramie Tunsil. I'm trying to get him on the show. He hasn't responded yet. I'd love, I'd love for him to come on my radio show tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> if you land out, let me know. And I'm trying to... And I'm trying to get the coach that was fired at Alabama to come on for just a brief interview. I just want to ask a couple of questions, you know, like, did you observe steroid usage and money changing hands while you were there? So I wonder what he would say. How many how many suits did he get? No, I'm not right. That's what I'm wondering. Ah, I mean, you know, we, we saw Julio and Trent riding around in Escalades. Did he get an Escalade, too? I mean, what's going on here? I want the full scoop. I have to know. That's, that's what you have to wait till tomorrow night to see if I get them or not. So. <laughs> All right, guys. We all have a good one. I'm off to the walk, too, Joe. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great night. All right. You Take should. care, guys. We'll see Thanks, Ryan. See ya. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.